Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning. It's Monday, October 21st, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. On Mondays, not much has changed from Sunday afternoon when we record the recap episode to Monday morning when the episode we're recording right now goes live. So instead of pointlessly rehashing things we just talked about less than 24 hours ago, Trey Scott joins me, Connor Tapp, to make the case for our own personal top five teams in college football. So, Trey, so Trey, let's start with our point of reference for today's discussion as the new AP Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday. In a couple of weeks, of course, we pivot to only caring about the College Football Playoff Committee's Top 25. But for right now, we're dealing with the AP Top 25. So the AP Top 25 has Oklahoma at number five, Clemson four, Ohio State three LSU two in Alabama number one so Oklahoma the first team out if if, if the season ended today um, although I the AP doesn't you know couch their rankings in in that way that's just kind of where Oklahoma falls here uh, anything else of particular interest in this AP top 25 hmm. Texas at 15 uh, not following after Kansas uh, barely beating Kansas was interesting mm. uh, no I the AP, it's interesting that there's some some movement here. Um, it's not surprising, but it is interesting. And I think, though, as far as like talking about polls, I'm just starting to get really excited about the college football playoff rankings, which are coming right down the pipe um, the first Tuesday in November, I believe. Yep. And look, I, I think I'm just – I think we're going to see some differing opinions between how the committee is ranking teams and how the AP poll, its members are ranking the teams. And I think the committee is sort of going to go with a legacy backing, which is frankly how I've sort of ranked my top four and top five this year while the, while the AP is a little bit more reactive. Um, for instance, Connor, Ohio State continuing to jump and Clemson continuing to fall for the AP – if it's gonna, if the voters are gonna, you know, think of things like that on a weekly basis and and you know throw out last year's results, I wonder why LSU just isn't number one yet with with the fact that they have two top six wins. Yeah, that's true. I I, I do not understand the deference for. I mean, well, to this point in the season, I mean, I don't know if you prior to Tua being injured. I would say there's not a whole lot of separation between Alabama and LSU. I think it's easier to feel good about LSU because of how much they've had to improve to get to this point. Uh, but, you know, prior to Tua getting injured, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to, to – to, I mean, you could make an argument for LSU ahead of Alabama, but I don't think it's clear-cut. Um, now, uh, you – with the AP top 25, it is an aggregation of what a bunch of different writers think. So it's like hard to make any like definitive declarations about, well, here's what they were doing. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, well, I guess now let's, let's 
pivot into talking about our own top 25s uh, or, or our own. Well, top I hope fives. we don't have to do so, our own top 25. <laughs> oh boy, we'd be here for a while. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll start with mine. Okay. Uh, I have Clemson at five, Alabama at four, Oklahoma at three, LSU at two, Ohio State at one, and so I did move Alabama down quite a bit from one to four. And I know Trey, you. You moved Alabama down too, yes, right? Yep, uh, from two to four, and obviously it's the Tua injury. And we're not – Connor, I think we, we can agree here. It's not that we – I mean, we, we know Tua is going to come back, and we expect Tua to come back yes. for LSU. And I think this is different than, say, if Justin Fields suffered an ankle injury that they said he'd be back for in two weeks. Because we know now what a injured Tua Tungavailoa looks like and what a Tua Tungavailoa who's hampered by an ankle injury looks like. Because we saw this last year, and it's yes. not good, and and it's the same sort of precedent that has me, that had me with Alabama number two, and has me still with Clemson number one, is because I can't get last year out of my brain, even though everyone keeps telling me to. And so on that line of thinking, if I can't forget last year, I can't forget that Tua looked like a totally different quarterback the last few games of the season with that injury, and that's why I think it's absolutely fair that Alabama should drop. Yeah, totally. And I, I, people are going to say like, oh, well, you know, they still they still in the end ended up blowing out Tennessee. But like we can't we can't not Did act they, though? like we like, don't. It wasn't that impressive. Well, I mean, if you just look at the score, I mean, 35 to 13 it looks pretty good. But I mean, we can't pretend we don't know what we know right. about. Uh, how and last year Alabama had Jalen Hurts to come in when Tua was hurt and like even even that drop off. Well, I mean, I guess we only had we only had the one game and Jalen actually played pretty well uh, in in that circumstance. But injured Tua much less effective than regular Tua. And if this is going to be and the, the drop off to Tua from Tua to Mac Jones, I mean it it looks like that. That difference sets this Alabama team back like half a decade in terms of where they progressed on the offensive side of the ball. So that is a massive concern. And you said, Trey, on our Sunday recap episode that if Alabama doesn't have Tua against LSU, they don't have a chance, which is just absolutely wild to think about that the quarterback position in Alabama could be so that consequential. Yeah, how could they so, possibly how could they possibly keep up? It's they don't have the, the rushing attack identity, and I know they have Najee Harris, who's great, and they have several talented members of the offensive, on their offensive line, and they have the pieces for a good ground attack, but they haven't been committed to that. And I don't blame them because, hey, I'd be committed to what Tua and, and his receivers can do too. But, yeah, no Tua for Alabama or a limited Tua. Uh, good luck against LSU. Yeah, maybe maybe you could say, well, it's it's a bit harder to change gears like that in the middle of a game. Maybe it's easier to change gears like that from week to week. So if you know going into this week, who does Alabama have this week? Alabama uh, has Arkansas. So I think this is a week yeah. where Alabama leans on the running game and gets Mac Jones comfy with some play-action passes and some quick stuff and just gets out of dodge with the W. Uh, I wouldn't expect Mac Jones and the receivers to have a field day because I, I I guess they could, but I don't think they're even going to try. So stepping into the vacuum created by Alabama for me is is LSU, who I moved up to. I, I think I said earlier last week I had Alabama at one. I actually had them at two. Now that I think about it, uh, so LSU moves up to two. You know, we didn't even we didn't even talk about LSU 
you know, blowing out Mississippi State on a recap episode because them doing incredible things week to week is just uh, pretty ho-hum at this point. But another really strong showing for Joe Burrow. Uh, his pants get pulled down during the game, so everyone knows what his butt looks like now. So that's, that's a thing. Um, but uh, Oklahoma blows out West Virginia. Clemson, we talked about Clemson performing well and against Louisville. And I still have concerns about Clemson, but in a group of teams that I have increasing levels of concern about or uncertainty about whether they are truly national title teams, Alabama or Clemson's what they did last year doesn't hold so little weight with me that I'm not willing to give them some credit for it. So I'm moving them, I'm moving them into number five and, uh, They've got they've got a chance to move up, but uh, yeah. So that's my Clemson thing. Well, I mean, they should have some credit for what they did last year. Look, I think everyone is having this Trevor Lawrence interception discussion and like conflating it with Clemson's not any good or like Clemson's not an elite college football team. And Clemson is number three nationally in total defense yards per play. Clemson is number ten offensively in yards per play. Clemson's offensive line is the real concern here because false starts and the sort of turnstile approach at the tackle spots are getting Trevor Lawrence very limited time to throw. But much like I can't forget that Tua was a different animal or Tua was a different guy last year with a bad ankle, I can't forget the show that Trevor Lawrence and those receivers and Travis Etienne are capable of putting on week in and week out. And I just want to say this, the, Clemson's close win at North Carolina was a month ago now. And in that time since, we have seen several college football teams not survive environments in which they should have won. We've seen Wisconsin lose. We've seen Georgia lose. And maybe it's an old school approach to say elite teams find a way to win. And I know that doesn't work like that anymore. But there should be something to be said for that. And there should also be something to be said, I think, I still think, for what they did last year. And I still think there should be something to be said for they looked pretty good. Uh, since that bye week after North Carolina, they blew out Florida State last week. They blew out a pretty good Louisville team on Saturday. So I've got Clemson number one. And I understand that they probably won't be tested the rest of the season until the last two weeks of the regular season. It could be kind of interesting. Wake Forest and South Carolina. So we'll see. Ohio State, meanwhile, jumps up into number two in the vacuum created by my drop of Alabama. And what can you say about Ohio State that hasn't been said already? Justin Fields has totally unlocked that team's potential. Uh, great defense, great offense, head coaching. It seems, Connor, like they're not going to be susceptible to their usual midseason letdown. I am, though, excited to see what they do Saturday against Wisconsin. LSU, number three for me. Alabama, number four. And at five, I have Oklahoma. And I, I've thought about the game I saw last week in person, Oklahoma, Texas, a little bit more. And I really don't know how impressed I actually am with Oklahoma right now. Now, I don't have any other good candidates at five. I thought about Oregon. I thought about Penn State. I thought about Florida. But Oklahoma, to me, now that I think about it more, left a lot of points on the field against a horrible Texas defense. And it won that game because of its defense. And I want to see Oklahoma's defense play with a hair on fire every single week that it had in the Red River shootout or showdown. 
because it's easy to, to, to get up to play your rival and have nine sacks in that game. But I want to see if Oklahoma's defense can maintain that. Because, again, the more I think about it, the more I think about, yeah, Texas isn't as good as we thought. And I'm a little bit less impressed by the day with what I saw in Dallas. Yeah, I moved Alabama beneath Oklahoma and in the minute since I made that decision, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like that was a little bit rash because, <laughs> um, um, it, yeah, it, Oklahoma, you know, they're, they're putting up the big numbers against, uh, against these kind of mid tier big 12 teams. Um, but against Texas, it did not always look so smooth on offense as it has against other teams. And you wonder how will it stack up against, against a team like LSU against Ohio state in the playoff. Um, Connor, do you, so, Connor, do you think we, and last a few weeks ago, we were talking about like eight or nine teams. Do you think as like, is it pretty clear now that we're starting to, to whittle the list down? Like it's, it's after yes. five or maybe even after four for some of us, it's like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, a team that I mean, a team that hasn't really entered into our discussion here, and maybe you could make an argument that they should is Penn State. Um, and but I just feel like they don't really strong on defense. I don't know if the offense is quite explosive enough for them to really be in this. Maybe maybe you could make an argument. Somebody should have them at five. I really don't see how you could say they're worthy of cracking the top four. I mean, they'll ha- they'll have a chance to prove it on the field and all that because, you know, playing in the Big Ten East, they'll play Ohio State, and if you beat Ohio State, well, then good job. You deserve to be in the top four discussion. But, um, I-, I mean, I-, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think they just – You're right. They- no, you're right. I-, I, think, I think Penn State's sort of in the same mix as Oregon, Auburn, Florida, and I'm sure I'm leaving somebody else out. Where yes, they they're worthy of you know six to ten, but they yeah. wouldn't. I don't think they don't deserve to be in the same. And I don't like deserve is like a weird subjective. They're not in this top four to top five mix. And I think we are starting to see those sort of contenders fall by the wayside. But you never know. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Georgia eventually steamrolls Florida and looks really hot heading into Atlanta or. Maybe Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and then you know this time next week we both have Wisconsin number three. I don't know, but it does feel like the cream is starting to rise. I, I no longer think that we're eight deep in terms of possible playoff-worthy teams, but this top four, at a minimum, is as robust as I think we've ever seen, and and I think that probably extends to the top five. I mean, the fact well, think that about, we can yeah, even think about sorry. I want you to finish. Think about the quarterbacks, as you say, robust. All five of these guys are going to be first-round picks. Yeah. There, there's no team. I don't think we're going to have a team. And, you know, who knows what can happen. But the way things are going right now, I don't think we're going to have a team in the playoff where we're all kind of like, oh, man, these guys, like Michigan State, really? We, we have to do this? We have to pretend that this is going to end in a possibility of success? Um, so that's exciting. I, I, it's, it's always felt like some kind of somewhat fraudulent team is kind of sneaking in there. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. Not this year, know. Notre Dame, not this year. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat loath to even bring up the Clemson thing, but you just kind of moved on so quickly. Bring um, it up. Don't be loath. Bring it up. Uh, so, Trevor Lawrence has eight interceptions this year. 
are you really telling me that if Tua Tungavailoa had eight interceptions this year, it, we're half we're halfway through the season. Tua had six all of last season. That fine bomb isn't wall to wall. Like what's wrong with Tua? Alabama's broken. Like what's going on? I mean, it's not everything. It, his interceptions are not everything. They do lead the ACC in yards per play on offense and defense. Like they're they do a lot of things really well. But these interceptions, like in. Are they going to be the difference in Clemson versus Wake Forest? No. Are they going to be the difference in Clemson versus probably anybody in the ACC? No. But when you go head-to-head against – when you're suddenly going against Grant Delpit and Derek Stingley, when you're suddenly going against Ohio State, when you're suddenly going against Alabama, like it's at that point where I think the flaws that we've seen in Clemson's offense this year – I think are a legitimate concern and it's, you know, I, I, I respect that in some ways, the fact that they aren't as good as they were defies comprehension and logic. And so you think that there's going to be a point where things just start clicking and we've seen it. We've seen Clemson do it before with Deshaun Watson, where, you know, he was a little bit too. Deshaun Watson threw 17 interceptions the year they won the national title. Yeah. So I mean, so, no. I, I mean, maybe I've just made my argument for you, but no. Well, I, I, I like, just I had pulled up. I had pulled it up. Um, I feel like we. Have, I've seen plenty of fine bomb stuff on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think it's a, absolutely a worthwhile discussion. I just, I'm not gonna look at interceptions like. Yes, if Trevor Lawrence throws two interceptions against LSU, Clemson would lose. But I don't know. I I, I still got to have some benefit of the doubt here um, with with that quarterback. And it's the same. It's, it's I I don't. Do you think Connor that Trevor Lawrence got worse over the summer or like isn't as good as we thought he was? Or do you think right now he's just working through a turnover issue the way Deshaun Watson sort of worked through a turnover issue when he was you know his final year at Clemson? Because I don't think Trevor Lawrence got any worse. I think he's still the guy we talked up all summer as if he went to the NFL right now, he would be the number one pick and he could go down as one of the best college quarterbacks we've ever seen. I don't think he got any worse. I think maybe he's still pressing a little bit. Uh, those two turnovers on Saturday were bad and they were stupid, but he also made a share of incredible throws, uh, ran to his left, bought some time, found Justin Ross across his body on the other side of the field, probably 70 yards in the air, the throw, the kind of throw that only he, as far as any other quarterback in college football can make. So yes, Clemson's interceptions are an absolute issue, but look, the defense, and we talked all year about the defensive line or talked all offseason about the defensive line, they're still number 10 in yards for play. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker hybrid, has been a freak show. So, yeah, I know I get your argument, but I, I just, I'm not that scared by it, I guess. Yeah, I, what's weird about it is like coming into the season, we were like, oh, well, the offense, it's like all the same guys. And the defense is where we're worried. And the defense has been uh, far exceeded expectations. They haven't, they haven't. Like the new personnel they've cycled in have been fine, um, so it's weird. I I wonder, and I have not watched Clemson the most this season, so maybe you can rebut or whatever. But um, I kind of my theory about what's going on with Clemson and Trevor Lawrence is that last season it was like opposing defenses were coming at it with the mentality of, yeah, he's highly rated, but if you're gonna beat us. With your true freshman quarterback, you know, go ahead and go ahead and try to do that if if that's what you want to do. But now, 
opposing defenses are like, yeah, we're not going to let you do that. And so the underneath stuff is there a little bit more, but Clemson's personnel, whether it's the fact that Trevor Lawrence can't is, is not the most mobile. I know he can run a bit, um, but he's not a quote-unquote running quarterback. Um, it's that kind of taking of that advantage of that underneath stuff, it doesn't come as naturally uh, given Clemson's personnel as it might for other teams. Hmm. No, I, I don't know. Amari Rodgers has been pretty good in his comeback, and Trevor Lawrence – some of the, the the best throws that Trevor Lawrence has made this year when he's has been when he's on the run. I think a lot of it is he's pressing. I think a lot of it is he's still trying to, um, at least in the beginning of the season, still trying to be the guy who he was talked up to be in the off season. My faith is that he's still that quarterback who beat Alabama the way he did, uh, who looked the way he did against Notre Dame, which was a good defense. Uh, I, I I still have faith in them. I I still think they're the number one team in college football. All right. Well, we are just two weeks away from the release of the first college football top 25. And within that, the thing everybody cares about is, of course, the top four. And we'll be so we'll a couple more weeks of this format of a Monday episode. And then we'll start pivoting to kind of previewing uh, the release of those top four rankings. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help spread the word about the show, whether that's telling a friend or family member that Trey and I wake up at 6 a.m. every weekday to make sure you're all caught up on college football news or simply leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.